Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Brandon Hakeem, who is the founder of InsiderSchool.com. When Brandon was in college, he walked into the dean's office of his university and said, I feel like we're getting an outdated education. His dean said back to him, they're working on it. So he started reading books. One book turned into two, then into four, eventually into over 1,000. He since helped over 360,000 people learn faster, work more efficiently, and download the wisdom from thousands of pages of books into their brains in a fraction of the time it would take to sit down and read a book. And he is on a mission to give you the education you'll never get in school. And that's what we talked a lot about, you know, his getting started journey, how he got into starting InsiderSchool.com, and all the great things he's trying to do to help people learn better than they have in the past. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation with Brandon. Without further ado, please welcome in Brandon Hakeem. Brandon, welcome to the podcast, man. Glad to have you on. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, I thought I was reading a lot of books per year, but after researching what you're doing, I can't believe how many books you've read. Uh, what, what's the current number now in your life, do you think? <laughs> you know, I don't, I wish I was tracking from the beginning and I've been using different tracking systems. So I have no idea what the exact number is. Um, but it's in the thousands, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah, not quite 2,000, but less, but over a thousand. Okay. I would say. Well, and I want to get into obviously that a little bit more. Um, I'm yeah. curious, you know, with anyone getting started, you know, we all have different moments, things that happen, you know, some serendipity, sometimes it's some randomness. Mm-hmm. But can you share maybe before we get on this path with the, you know, insider school and, and some of this other stuff you're doing, was there a turning point that you could share? Maybe it's a, a couple of what got you on this new path? Because I'm, I'm assuming 20 years ago, you weren't thinking you're going to have this business and do this type of stuff and help people the way you are. So I'm just kind of curious, can you share a turning point or two that uh, kind of got you down this, uh, this path on your journey? Definitely. And I'd say there are two that I think are really interesting. The first one was my dad was really into personal development books when I was, you know, in third or fourth grade. And he gave me how to win friends and influence people and think and grow rich. And so the, the, the seeds were kind of planted early on in that sense. Um, and I even remember in, in fifth grade, I had think and grow rich and I was reading it under the desk in class and the teacher sees me. So she literally walks away from the board and walks over to me and just like, what are you doing? And I was so proud. I'm like, I'm reading Think and Grow Rich. And she wasn't even upset or anything. She just looks at me and says, why? Um, Which I think is telling about, you know, the mindset of a lot of educators. But uh, beyond that, you know, I, I, I think shortly after I wasn't so much into reading and especially when it came to school, I hated reading. I would never read in high school. 
I, I don't think I read a single book I was assigned. I'd always just go to Spark Notes or Pink Monkey or whatever it was. And uh, even in college, I would never read. So how did I get to this point where I'm always, you know, I'm reading multiple books a week. And for me, the real catalyst was going to college and getting into my dream school and being so excited about it and thinking this is going to set me up, you know, for the rest of my life. And then sitting in one of the first classes and wondering when will I ever use this information? And I just started becoming so frustrated with the system and questioning this idea of using grades to motivate people extrinsically, which doesn't work and really kills the motivation. It just got to a point where I went to the dean's office at the university and I said, I feel like we're getting an outdated education. And for me, it really crystallized a few minutes later when she told me we're working on it. Hmm. She didn't say, no, you're wrong. She didn't say that this is a different way to look at it, which I was hoping she would. She said, no, what you're saying is a function of the education system, not the school. And there really isn't anything that we can do about it. Wow. And I really felt so angry walking out of her office that day. And I could still feel the feelings and remember that moment of turning the corner outside of her office and walking down that main pathway in school and being like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to give myself the education I never got in school and hopefully one day help other people do the same. And you, you felt the best way to do that was start reading, start getting knowledge that way. Yeah, and I think that came to be in a couple of ways. One was I, well, first of all, one was Will Smith. I mean, he may have said this later, but the whole idea of, you know, he said one of the two keys to life is reading because there's nothing that someone hasn't already solved and written about. So I was, my thinking at the time was, okay, there are all these things that I want to figure out. The answer is somewhere on a shelf. I just need to find it. Um, so I think that's really the the big drive to what drove me to books. And then the other thing was I randomly read a book called the 22 immutable laws of marketing. Mm -hmm. And I remember everything inside that book was the opposite of what I was learning in my marketing class. And it made so much more sense and was more applicable to what I wanted to do. So that's another reason why I was like, okay, I think books make a lot more sense than the path that I've currently been going down. Well, and I think a lot of with education, is a lot of is outdated, you know, even textbooks, right? They're, you're learning stuff from, you know, five, 10, 20 years ago. It's, it's not updated information. We have current events that are happening that we could share and use as stories. I mean, I look at this, I have a son that's going into fourth grade. I'm not too thrilled about how, you know, the things they're learning in, in school. And it's like, yeah, where, where could we look to, at, at a shift to share the right information? And I, this is, I, we don't have to go on the education rabbit hole because I, I can definitely get down that around. I could too. <laughs> just around like, instead yeah. of memorizing facts, let's actually go ahead and have some exercises and, and being able to think differently and think clearly and think out of the box and develop answers and opinions of our own versus, okay, this is, you know, one plus one equals two. That's great. But how do we get there? What are some applications of it? Let the kids think a little bit more. Uh, but anyways, I digress. We could, no, one we could quick probably, point about that though, yeah. is that the whole system and not even just the system, but then our thinking after the system is we are taught to believe. And then we live our lives believing that learning is memorizing. Mm -hmm. When in reality, there's, that's totally not true. 
You know, Michael Jordan, for example, didn't become a great basketball player because he memorized how to dribble a basketball. And Warren Buffett didn't become a great investor because he memorized a thousand investing rules. Yet we sit in class, we regurgitate facts, and we think, oh, wow, now I've learned something. But then you forget to realize, no, or you don't realize that you don't know how to apply it. You can't actually use it. Um, so there's this huge gap in what we think learning is and what it is in reality. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually funny. There's a blog article that I just wrote that'll it'll be out soon. That's basically titled Telling Isn't Teaching. Hmm. You know, we always want to tell. And I think of this from a parenting standpoint. It's like we tell our kids to go do something, go do this, or they'll ask a question and we'll just give them the answer. And it's something I, I can't remember where I learned it from. I think it was might have been Neil deGrasse Tyson, where he was like, just at, so once it, when a kid, or, you know, my son, when he would ask me a question, instead of giving him the answer, I would be like, well, what do you think? Hmm. Or what are your thoughts on that? And it's amazing the dialogue that goes back and forth because their imagination is just going wild. They don't, they might not know. And sometimes he'd surprise me and actually know the answer. I'm like, <laughs> okay. So it's just, it's just a yeah, different way to think. Let's, let's give some different applications to people and, and we'll chat about some of those opportunities maybe, but instead of just, yeah, here's a book, you know, read this and then regurgitate it. No, what are some, how can you take that and even expand further on it? Um, and, and I guess that's probably a good a question for you is, you know, so you go through this talking with the Dean, it kind of, you know, pivots your life a little bit uh, and then going down just the rabbit hole of college and, and who knows from there, when did the idea come into your head that these books you were reading, this knowledge you were gaining, these experiences that maybe, you know, this journey you went on on that front led to actually saying, this is something that could be helpful for others and actually wanting to start a business around it. Cause it's one thing to read. And it's another to say, these books can be helpful, but most people are not going to read as many books as I am. How can I use that knowledge to help others? It, it, do you remember kind of those, you know, internal conversations? Maybe it was with, yeah. you know, some mentors of yours. How, how did that go from turning that idea into actually execution? Yeah. Well, I think there's maybe four, or things that happened around that. The first was in that moment, I with the dean, I really felt a sense of mission around this, and that's why for many years, so much of what I did was, it was I was like sending out emails with my favorite takeaways from books and things like that, and I never sold anything in those emails because I'm just like I really believe in this. Um, but so one part of it is that uh, another part that that felt so important. Um, in terms of crystallizing it was I made a course on how to help college students to get good grades in less time. At the time, my thinking was, okay, if I can help people do well in school, but have more time, then they could then use that time to learn things that actually matter and teach themselves. So that was another step. But the way that course came to be was maybe the biggest step of all was I have a call with one of my friends every Thursday, and we've been having this for the last 10 years and this was the beginning of of it right out of college and I had this course at the time it was an ebook that I'd written and he said hey why don't you just record it and put it online um and I was just so motivated in the moment I'm like you know what I'm gonna do it by next Thursday by our next call I'm gonna have it in a course and it's gonna be live mm. so I spent a full week um like I didn't I barely ate and I just I didn't even know how to record. I use like just regular headphones to record. And if you listen to that course today, you'll hear like the pop, the, you know, the, I had no pop filter. So you'd hear the P and, you know, all this stuff. So it wasn't like 
very well done production wise, but I got it done in a week mm-hmm. and I was in the game. And I think that was really the biggest step, which turned it from an idea into a reality. Um, and it was that having that deadline and that commitment that, that made it happen. Mm-hmm. Did you know any, like, had you know any, did you know anyone else that actually created the stuff you wanted to create? Like, did you, you mentioned your friend there, but was there anyone else like you were leaning on or any resources online that you looked into? Or was it just kind of like, I don't know, I'm just going to figure this out. How did did you kind of take the approach to get that first one out and maybe subsequent ones after that? Yeah, I really, there's this quote that I think it was Gary Halbert who said that motion beats meditation. Um, In other words, getting into action is way more important than figuring things out. And I think that at least in that moment, what I did, I didn't have anything figured out. It's like, I'm just going to get the course out there. I'm going to be more worried about getting it done than getting it perfect. And I'm going to see what happens. You know, I could have spent six months instead of a week on that course and maybe get zero people to sign up. And then I'd be like, wow, I just wasted six months. So I'd rather spend a week on it and see what happens and get a result and get feedback and then learn from there. So that's really how it, how it developed. And everything was just like one accident after another. You know, I never thought I'd have any other courses to make. I'm like, I'm just going to teach college students, get good grades in less time. And then one Friday I got home around 2 PM and I was like, I have a few hours. What am I going to do now? And I just had an idea of, you know what? I have this other, like, like not even course. It was just a document that I started filling out with notes of how can people read a hundred or more books a year. So literally on the spot that Friday, I made an outline of what a course would look like on everything I've been using to read all these books. And I recorded that course over like the weekend, over three days and got it out there. And that for many years, that was my most popular course. And that really was the foundation of everything else that followed, but it was a total accident, just a random thought that happened on a Friday at 2 PM. Well, I, I, you know, one of the things that just to underscore there is you just put it out and you created, and if, if it didn't work, yeah, you know, again, you wasted a little time. You've learned probably a lot through that process, but quote unquote wasted time because as we know it, it wouldn't have been a waste of time either way. But just the fact you've you created some momentum and ultimately that led to I you know I was you know, talking with uh, you know Dr. Bush about uh, serendipity and you know how you created serendipity by putting that course out. If you never put it out, nothing would have happened. But you created it by that putting that out, and then the world kind of, you know, took its turns, and it happened to work out um, in that favor. So I think it just it goes back to really underscoring the message that you have to put just a little effort, and you know, throw a couple hail marys out there, like, hey, let me try this, let me see what it could be, because we never really know until we actually do it, right? Absolutely, I I, I really like that idea of motion beats meditation. I think is everything, and I I, I promise because I could relate to this even today, that everybody listening to this, there's at least one thing that is just a thought in their mind. It's been a thought for a long time. And the reason they haven't done anything about it is, oh, because I need X, Y, and Z to happen before I can do that. Or I need to figure this out, or I need to make a plan, or I need to reach out to this person before I do that. When in reality, if we just got into the motion and took the action, a lot of the other steps would be figured out just by taking that first step. So let me, let me ask that. You talk about the hundred books in a year. How the heck do you actually do that? Hmm. 
to make it, and let me say this, besides just speed reading, whatever, if that even, I don't even know if that works or not, but, um, you know, with like the hand, does that work? I don't know. The speed reading thing. Have you seen that back years ago? Uh, um, but how do you read a hundred books? What's the, what's the process of going through? Um, and maybe even let, let's even un- unpack it, even go higher than that. What if we're reading one book? So someone wants to read a book tomorrow. You, they listen to this, you encourage them to, to read a book. They got inspired. So they picked a book off the shelf and they said, All right, I'm going to read this tomorrow. How do they go through and read it properly? What are some, is it highlighting? Is it, you know, underlining? Is it writing certain notes? What would you share as some ideas to think about? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think there's two layers to this. One layer is the bigger picture, like not focusing on a specific book, but overall. And the other part is what you do when you have a specific book. So let's start with the bigger picture part as far as what do you do in general when it comes to learning and reading. And there's a quote that I talk about in my reading course. I think it's by Jim Ryan, who was a silver medalist at the 1968 Olympics. And he said that motivation is what gets you started. Habit is what keeps you going. And uh, Mark Twain, when it comes to reading, said something that I really liked when he, you know, for reading when he said that the person who doesn't read is no better off than the person who can't. And the most important thing when it comes to reading is just making sure you do it and you do it regularly. And I think where people don't even get in the game is they say, I don't have the time or I'll read only when I have the time. But if we just developed a reading ritual, something that we can stick to, even if it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes a day, you'll get through a lot more books that way with consistency than you would with having the intensity of just reading for three hours whenever you have time, which might be once a month, once every two months, whatever it is. Well, and and to that point, it's really overwhelming to commit to something for three hours, even if you're not, you know, like reading a lot. You know, one of the things um, in terms of reading that I just, you know, I've probably been doing this for a few years now, but just to kind of layer in, which, which may be helpful for other folks, uh, because as we were talking before, like I, I, I just started probably, I, I'd say about three ish, three and a half years ago, really reading heavily, like 12 to 15 books ish a year type thing. Right. Prior to that, I probably read 12 to 15 books in my life. And half of half of those were probably Dr. Seuss books. Right. <laughs> so, the, so what I'm getting at is what I decided to do was to your point is I said, all right, let me put it into practice. So I was also trying to improve my sleep at that time and reading Dr. Walker's book um, and listen to him on some podcast about, you know, taking technology out, you know, taking the way that, that um, blue light earlier in the night and, and stuff like some different things. I decided to say, all right, I'm going to take my phone or put it away 30 minutes before bed. Well, what can I do in those 30 minutes? I could just sit there or I could talk or write or whatever. But I said, you know what? I'm going to actually read. So what I enacted, and it, it took a while, but now every single night, besides the one off where you know I'm out late or something like that, but basically every single night, I'll read any, anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. But to your point is I had to put that habit in play over time. It wasn't there four years ago, mm. but I made a commitment because I knew I wanted to read more. I want to, uh, you know, kind of at least through osmosis, bring in some different knowledge and try some new things. And, and that was the way I figured it out. But anyways, um, I love just that. to confirm that. So yeah, hundred percent. 
And then, but, oh god, yeah, sorry. It, yeah. Well, so when it comes to books specifically, what do I do to read books? And I'm trying to think how deep to go into the process because I don't want it to feel convoluted. Um, but the short of it is, I read books in layers. And well, let me take one step back. First thing I do is I look at a book and I'll decide what type of book is it. Is it a book that I want to put in the oven or do I want to put it in the microwave? In other words, do I want to read it slowly and sip it in like a delicious tea and read every word and take all of it in? Or is it a book that I just want to extract the information as quickly as possible? And I think the mistake that most people make, I remember when I was in college, we had a guest speaker in one of my, in the entrepreneurship club. And every two seconds, he was quoting a different book. Someone raises their hand and says, how do you read so many books? And he says, the biggest mistake people make is they think they have to start on page one and go to page two and go all the way until the, until the end. He said, you have to realize the book is a tool. It's a tool to guide you to the correct action. So there isn't one way to go through a book. So first thing I do is I divide it into one of those two camps, so to speak. And, and do you do that based on, is it more of a gut feeling based on your experience or is it based on um, how long the book is? I, I, I'm kind of curious if we go down the rabbit hole a little bit, because it's actually funny you bring that because that's, I'm probably the camp of I read every book start to finish. And then sometimes I'll get like three quarters of the way book, through the book. I'm like, yeah, I figure, I think I got the point of this thing, you know, and I'll kind of move on. Um, and then obviously most of them I'll read through because they're, you know, they're, they're pretty good, but I, I'm probably in that camp of, I read every word or every, every, every right, which page. Is, yeah. Which is the, the normal way to go about it. Right. Um, the way I know how to divide which, which microwave or oven is for the most part, what type of book is it? If it's a biography or if it's something that I don't already understand very well, uh, you know, more technical or outside of my realm of expertise or something that I feel like I can't extract the information very much or very well, um, then it goes in the oven. Um, you know, not every book has to be, let me get through this as quickly as possible. Um, but if it's a book, like a lot of self-help books, personal development books, um, books that are just straight information that I already like, okay, I have a, you know, they have a lot of headers or things I can understand. I'm like, okay, let me go through it first and see how much I could take away from it before I go to page one and go to page two and so forth. And that brings up maybe the most important tool in all of reading, um, which is the preview. And the idea of that is you preview the book before you read it. And for me, it actually, that has two steps, but the general idea of it, you know, I forgot the guy's Morris something, or I forgot the name, but the, the book, um, how to read a book, he talks about previewing a book. And what that means is you open a book and then you just flip through it. You go to the table of contents and you, um, you know, you look at what are the, the chapter titles and you look at the headings and you dip into some random places. Like the way I like to think about it is if somebody said, hey, you have 10 minutes to get, I'm, I'm giving you this book. I'm going to let you borrow it for 10 minutes. I want it back in 10 minutes. Let me see how much you can get out of it in 10 minutes. Like that's how I look at the preview. I just have 10 minutes to go through this book from beginning to end and just see how much I can extract. And that does many things. First of all, you'll learn some things in that 10 minutes. But second of all, it sets a framework for the rest of the book. You already know what's going to be covered. You know what the main idea is. You know which parts you want to read and which ones you don't. I mean, sometimes. Um, 
you know, you have, you have a framework to build off of. So the preview is one of the more important tools when it comes to reading a book. And so you would, just, in, that, in that scenario, you would um, not skip, but if you see something that seems repetitive maybe or, um, or you got the gist of it, like you know, as you went through a chapter, you could kind of skip and move along. You don't feel like you, you have to commit to every single word then. Well, so the preview is just the first step. And it's not even about skipping things. I mean, it's more about what am I going to take in? I only have 10 minutes, let's say, to get through the book. I just want to have set the foundation first of what is this book about? I want to, I want to know what topics are covered. What am I interested in? What are the things? And maybe I'll be like, Oh, you know what? I'm really interested in page 137. Let me read that first, Mm. you know, but it's, it's just about setting that foundation and you do that before you go read the book and then you go read it after you do the preview, but you do it with a different state of mind with a different understanding. Yeah. And then from there, sure, you can skip them some things. You can skip things that are repetitive or whatever. Um, but that preview really helps you know how to navigate that book. What about any note-taking or highlighting? Um, it's something I do randomly. I'm not, I'm not I, I'll admit, I'm not, I don't highlight as much as I like to because I, you know, some books I'll go back and I'll try to look through again a year or two later. But um, what's the coaching on that? Any insight you'd share? Yeah. So again, I'm, I'm like, how deep should I, so, cause normally I have a five-step note-taking process. Um, but the core idea of it is this, um, Cicero, I think he was a Roman politician or order statesman or something 2000 years ago, more or less. And he said that we have two types of memory. We have memory for words and memory for concepts. And the thing about, us humans is we're horrible memorizing words, but we're fantastic at memorizing concepts. The problem is most of us, we read books and we just take the information in, in the author's words, and we never translate it into a concept in our own brain. Hmm. So the most important thing when it comes to note-taking is making it your own. And that can take a lot of different forms whether it means you, know, you listen to an audiobook, let's say pausing it or watching a YouTube video or podcast or whatever, listening to this podcast, pausing it and saying, wait, what did I learn? Let me say it out loud in my own words. Hmm. Same thing with note-taking. There's a, you know, a section that you're like, wow, that was awesome. You underline a couple sentences, close the book and say it out loud. And then you finish the chapter without looking back at the chapter, right? What did you learn? Uh, you know, test yourself and then go correct yourself. Hmm. So, the whole idea is, uh, you know, yesterday I read a book called Range, and there was a section on learning in that book. And one of the things he said, which was a good reminder, was learning that's hard doesn't always mean it like translates into something valuable, but learning that's easy never translates into something valuable. And we have to make it more difficult by testing ourselves, by pausing, by time ideas together by writing things in the margin um so that's that's my thoughts on note taking as a as a concept and but I, I would add on top of what you just said even challenging yourself to reading books outside of your comfort zone books that you may you know may not be a an avenue where you're like oh, i've never even thought about that type of book you know um so i think that's something too that's that's something i i try to do as well 
where I, I just gets you, th- it almost puts your thinking cap on more because you're like, all right, I got to be more engaged because this is something, a topic I don't understand or it's not as comfortable to me, you know? Absolutely. And I think a great analogy for that is like, imagine you're working on a school project and you work on it for four hours and you get all the bones of the project done. You know, you make the PowerPoint slides, you write everything on the slides, and then you decide to work on it for another three or four hours. But the last three or four hours, you're changing the fonts and changing the background colors and things that yes, make the project better maybe, but don't move the needle like the same, the same way the first four hours did. And with reading, if you just read the same genre again and again, if you only read self-help books, for example, and you've read 20 of them or 50 of them or 100 of them, that 101st book won't add as much to your life as the first, second, third, fourth, fifth book did because you've already read a lot of things in that topic. You know, that's the 100th book is more like the last three, four hours of the project where you're changing the fonts, so the, the, the incremental value you're getting is much less. But on the flip side of that, if you go into a completely new genre, even if it's something that doesn't feel like it relates to your life, it's more like the first one hour of the project where you're getting bigger strides, you're getting more bang for your buck, so to speak, in terms of expanding your mind and learning new things. What uh, I'm curious to what you've learned. So all these different books you've read, and obviously you put a lot of course together. What have you learned the most about why people don't get started? Where where do they get hung up? Where are they? Um, where are they challenged? Um, any anything that you've picked up, maybe in your personal experience um, of of you know hurdles you jumped through but also with some things you've read, anything you share uh, to help folks out that are on that cusp of, of getting started? It's a great question. I think I would answer it both externally and internally. What do you do in the outside world and what do you do inside? And I think the inside can never be an excuse for not doing it on the outside. But so what do you do specifically externally? I think the most important thing is, you know, my, my friend that I get on a call with Every week, he has a quote that he said. He said, simple gets done. And it reminds me of a book I read recently called Effortless, um, which is a very similar concept. And the thing is, we complicate things so much that it makes it very difficult to get started and to keep going with it. So I think we need to ask questions like, what would this look like if it were easy? Like that first course I made that I got done in a week. Yes, it was a hard week, but it was easy enough that I was able to get it done in a week. Whereas other people, you know, they could spend six months on a course and it might be a better course in terms of production or whatever, but getting the same results. I think the most important thing is asking questions like, what would this look like if it were easy? Or what would this look like if it were fun? Or how can I simplify this? Or what steps can I remove in the process Mm. to make it more frictionless? And I think questions like this aren't only helpful, they're essential. And I'm constantly, especially especially after reading that book, Effortless, which is really just a reminder of a lesson I've been having to learn again and again and again for the last 10 years, is how do I simplify things? You know, know, how many times do we have a to-do list of 30 things or 15 things, and we're just pushing through the day being like, okay, I got to get all these things done. Um, Simple gets done. And on the flip side, things don't get done because they're not simple. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's, 
kind of the whole concept of it's not so much how much you add, but how much you take away, yeah. you know, to, to the 30, you know, that 30 thing to do list. It's like, what's number one. What, what if I got one thing done today? Right. Right. Let, let's get that done. Or what's two, you know, maybe one or two things. Um, being able to qualify kind of the day. I've been big on like writing a few different uh, to-dos each day, generally be th- between about three and five. I found for myself, just having like three is like a, a good max for me, right? Yeah. Let me, let me, let me check the box on those. And not that, not that you can't do other stuff, but like, what are the biggest three to kind of chunk and, and get done? And it's been amazing how like, you can really focus versus saying, oh yeah, I have 20 different things I got to do. Well, it's like, where do I start? Well, we always start with um, probably the one that's the least important because it's, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt exactly. as much to get it done. Right. So that's really good. Uh, good thought there. I, I, random question. Um, okay. And just more curiosity for when you put out the courses, uh, what platform are you on? Are you on Udemy? Is that right? So that's where I started. That was the first okay. platform. That was the first platform that I put the be college course on and the reading course on. And I, I believe I have something like 25 courses on there. Um, and I'm on other platforms as well. Um, most of my focus today, though, goes into a membership that I have that's only, okay. only on my website. And that's literally, it's like you're enrolling in a course that keeps going it's like five minutes a new five minute video every day oh and you it just it goes on and on and on and you're just like upgrading your life five minutes at a time every day um well with and is that built on some sort of training platform or coaching platform or is that something you did personally or that one's just delivered through again super simple it's delivered through email Hmm. and members get the email at 6 a.m. their local time. So they could just wake up in the morning and have a five-minute video with a concept from a book uh, and how they can apply it in their life that day. Um, but yeah, hmm. just emails, 6 a.m. And that's basically wow, I like that. Yeah, I like that. That is that is very simple. Well, I was going to ask is like, no one knew who the heck you were a handful of years ago when you put those courses out how did you get folks to, was it just on those sites they searched or was there something you decided to do to help kind of promote or, or get some of those first few individuals? Cause did I see right? Like it's been a couple hundred thousand different people that have taken the courses. Is that right? Well, on, on Udemy alone, it's somewhere like 350,000 and then on other platforms, it's hard to quantify, uh, yeah. but maybe another 150,000 on other platforms as well. Um, but to answer your question, I think there's, there's two parts to it, but I, I could sum it up in one sentence. In the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing, and the wrong thing at the right time is also the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And when it came to Udemy, um, I started in 2015. So it was the right thing at the right time um, where there was, you know, there's more opportunity for reach and growth and so forth. So uh, yeah, I think my courses were very good and people really liked them and it was spread, you know, people shared it with others and got really excited about it. And, you know, they would take it and be like, wow, I've never thought about this in my entire life in this way. So I think that it's the right thing, but it was also the right time that helped. Uh, so I think it was those two things together that that helped make it happen 
Mm. Yeah. And the t- uh, timing is, is everything as they say, you know, I mean, I think that's a, that's a pretty good sum up. What, uh, what can folks expect then? So they're getting, uh, they're getting the, if they sign up for the membership, they're getting, it's a video they, they can play it right through their, their email, I'm assuming, or do they have to go somewhere else or. Yeah, it's a good question. So the, the whole, like the way I describe it is 52 books a year in less than five minutes a day. So, you know, I'm reading all these books and I'm teaching people how to read over hundred or more books a year, but still people are like, okay, I read the books, but I'm still confused about how to apply it. Or I don't retain any of it. Or, you know, there, there's so many obstacles along the way, or I still feel like I don't have the time. And that's where the idea came of, you know what, I'm going to help you read a book a week in five minutes a day. And that's basically what it is. It's five, five minute videos delivered mm-hmm. Monday to Friday. And we cover one book in that week in five videos. So the first four videos are one lesson from the book. So insider secret number one, which is one like lesson from the book and then two, three, four. And then Friday we'll do a recap. And then Saturday or most Saturdays, I'll send a one page summary that has like everything on one page. Um, And then we'll go to Sunday, which I'll give you a preview of that book. So just like a seven day a week thing where it's delivered to your email. But then the Monday to Friday is the, the, the core of it. And you get that email by 6am. There's the video right there. You click on it, you watch it right there. There's an audio version. There's a text version. There's a one page Mm -hmm. cheat sheet. Um, So, you you know, you could just remember the things that you learned. So there's a lot of, a lot of pieces to it. And of course, not everybody uses every part. You know, some people prefer to listen on audio. Some people like the video component of it because there's, you know, text on the screen and different illustrations and so forth. So, um, but, but yeah, that's what it looks like. How do, you, how do you decide the 52 books? It's a good question. I, I definitely don't, what I don't do is plan 52 books ahead. Yeah. Um, so it's not decided that way, but it's decided in the sense of the reason I do all of this stuff is I think a universal experience or at least a near universal experience that we have as humans is we feel stuck at, in at least one area of life, probably in more than one area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we write goals on January 1st and we go to the next January 1st. And we're like, oh, shit, this is exactly what I wrote the year before. Or we feel stuck in our career. We know there's things we want to change. And we don't know how or in our health or in our relationships or whatever it is. So the way that I decide these books is I ask myself, what can we cover right now that can move people forward in one of the main categories of life, whether it's relationships, whether it's business, career, finance, whether it's well-being, you know, that could be nutrition, that could be mindset or whatever. Um, so I try to rotate among those categories. And a lot of times I'll have one book kind of lead to the next. And an example of that is last month we covered a book called Made to Stick, which is about six principles on how to make an idea stick. Hmm. And the sixth principle is storytelling. So the next book, the next week we covered a book on storytelling. So we went deep into how to actually tell a good story. Yeah, that's, you know, I like how that piece together because it almost keeps the, it almost keeps the narrative alive, like in your head. Like if you're thinking about storytelling and that's important, now you roll into that. It's almost like sort of relatable, but not. Um, I can see the flow there. That's helpful. Instead of just going way off the, you know, the <laughs> reservation random. Um, what are you excited about going forward? Is there anything the next six months, year, besides this program that you're thinking about anything that you're uh, you're jacked up about in your end? Yeah, it's a good question. 
I think the thing that I'm most I'm thinking about most is, uh, and this again was in the book Range that I read yesterday, but the analogy was you're in a baseball field and you're at bat. And every time you hit the bat, you know, you, you might strike out every time, but the difference between real life and baseball is you could hit the ball and you might not just get a one hit run or a two hit run. You might get a thousand hit run. You know, there are just some things that you do that pay off way more than the effort it took to do the, to do it. But it's hard to know which one, which those things are. So the thing that I'm most excited about, I'm really focusing on is that thought and just putting as many things against the wall that are in line in, in the realm of what I'm already doing in there and then stretching myself as well with, you know, things I haven't thought about or things that feel less comfortable or things that I feel like aren't strengths of mine um, that will be real growing opportunities. So that's, uh, I'd say in the next six months, it's not a specific project because a lot of my focus does go into really delivering for my members, but more so that mindset. Hmm. Well, that's a good transition and and maybe something we can kind of wind down the, the conversation on is, you know, if you're sharing advice and insight, maybe it is a quote. I like to say you have a post-it note, you know, the size of a post-it note to write it on, you know, for someone that's going to start something new today, you know? So again, they're thinking in that, like, I got to get over the hump. I got to do this. Is there an actionable step that you would share or encourage them to do to help them along kind of, uh, you know, give them a little push or nudge on their journey? Hmm. So people that feel stuck, what can they do to? Yeah, anyone, anyone that's getting started with something, anything you've learned over your um, your time doing either what you're doing now or even again back in school days, uh, but anything you'd share as an insight for them to give them some, some encouragement on their journey. Yeah, I think that the, one of the most important lessons I ever learned was that to look at life like a water bucket. And I think the people that fail are the the ones that try to fill that bucket all at once. And the people that really succeed are the ones that fill that bucket one drop at a time and realize that's the way that life works. And so many times people wanting to get started, they're focused on, okay, I want to start meditating. I'm going to meditate for an hour a day and I'm not going to miss a day. But I'm like, wait a minute, have you ever meditated before? No. Okay, so how about you do it for two minutes a day and actually stick with it and do it for 365 days a year? Um, so, so I think yeah, there's a great book, a couple of books, Slight Edge, Compound Effect, but my, I like the Slight Edge the most. Um, but it's really that idea of what are the small things that you can do on a consistent basis that over time will get you the results you want And then the most important part of that is you're going to start doing it and things are going to start going well. And that's usually the point that people drop off. You know, they are in a really shitty position. They're feeling horrible. And then they start meditating every day and doing a hundred pushups every day or whatever it is, something small. And they get out of the hole and they feel better. And then they think, okay, I'm out of the hole. It's not as important for me to keep going. Instead of realizing, no, it's now even more important for you to keep going because now that you're at a baseline, if you just keep doing it, you'll get to the top of a mountain. But the problem is there isn't that pain to fuel it. So I think the most important thing is really identifying what are those core foundational practices for you in your life that if you just did it and stuck with it for the next month 
year, and ideally for a lifetime, will give you the life that you want. One last thing I'll say about that is, I remember I was talking to someone once and he said, he's like, how many habits do you think are in the way between where you are and where you want to be or between who you are and who you want to be? And when you frame it that way, first of all, there's the realization that, okay, what maybe the only thing between that, where I am and where I want to be is just a collection of habits. And two, you'll realize the number probably isn't that many. Maybe it's one, maybe it's three, five, but whatever it is, it's not that many. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back. One, that's a, that's a great point. Great advice. It goes back to, you know, the incremental steps, but also as we talked earlier is kind of taking stuff away and what are, you know, cause, cause the, the, the person that may say, because I'm looking in the mirror cause I used to be like this was like, Oh, I can't do this. I don't have the time. Well, it's like, well, hold on a second. Let's look at your day. What are you prioritizing now? That if you know, so I'll, the, the simple go to I can go to is like, oh, if you're watching three hours of Netflix a night, what if you did two hours or what if you did one hour? Well, now you have an extra hour or two. What can you do with that time? Well, let's slip in the meditation or let's slip in a, a quick workout or let's slip in reading, like all of these other things that could really enhance and nourish your life just by reprioritizing some stuff. So there's only so much time in the day. It's what are you filling that up with? Right. right? 100%. So I think that, that, that turning the dial slightly and then moving that direction. And, and I can speak on this only for myself is what I've noticed over, you know, we probably take the last 10 years, but really the last four or five, it definitely it's removing a lot of those things where after I took it out, I didn't, I realized I was like, you know what? it's not as important. It wasn't as important. I gave it all this like clout, like, Oh, I got to sit here and watch, you know, eight hours of the, you know, my 49ers and all the other NFL games on a Sunday. Well, no, no, I don't. Let's let, let's kind of pull that back a little bit. And and there's so many other examples of that. Just being able to take out a lot of those things that um, not that we can't have, you know, I'll go watch, you know, I'm a big golfer. I'll watch some golf tournament. I'll watch, you know, watching the Olympics now a little bit, like great but it doesn't mean you have to extend that a ton. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, going back to something we talked about earlier, uh, simple gets done, you know, keeping it simple enough that you can actually follow through on. I think so many of us have done this very, very often too, is we set things that sound great in theory and that we can even do maybe when things are going perfectly but that we can't realistically stick with as soon as something gets a little bit more challenging, as soon as we have a little bit less time, we can't do it. And then we're like, oh, I can't do it today. Well, no, how about if we just make it more simple that even on those days, you can still follow through and take action. Yeah, absolutely, man. Dude, that's a great point. This has been a fun conversation. Yeah, um, I'm excited to throw some of those, uh, those book reading thoughts on the, uh, into the docket as I uh, do some my <laughs> nightly reading. Hey, if anyone wanted to say hello to you online, what's this best spot? Where, where should they connect with you? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, first of all, my email, Brandon at insiderschool.com. You could send me an email there. I do get a lot of emails, but I, uh, uh, still, I'm still able to respond to everyone at, at this point. So, um, that's the most direct way, but I also have a, I mean, there's so many things. I think one great place to start is I put together a course it's 17 of the most powerful lessons i've learned from all the books i've read um you know it's taken from the videos and the membership um so i think that'd be a great place to start i put a 
The link is insiderschool.com slash lessons. Okay, perfect. Um, I'll, put that, I'll put that in the show notes. Absolutely, man. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, man, this is a lot of fun. Thank you so much. And uh, look forward to stay connected with you. Yeah, same here. Thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by. And if you had a couple seconds before you run along on your day, if you wouldn't mind sharing this out to your audience, whatever social platform you're on, maybe leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform that you listen to, it certainly mean the world to me. I've grown this thing organically over the last four years, and it just gives another opportunity for someone to listen to an episode like this or others and hopefully inspire them to get started on their journey. And feel free to connect with me online. I love meeting new people. Uh, my website might be best, brianondraco.com. Drop me a note in the contact form. Or connect with me on any social platform. I'm pretty much at brianondraco on all the major ones. So thanks again to listening in on this episode. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care.